welcome to the Sheffield's Hidden Gems podcast. Sheffield is a city in South Yorkshire, United Kingdom. This podcast features conversational interviews with owners or managers of a unique selection of businesses, charities, and other enterprises in Sheffield. This podcast is brought to you by Excel City Apartments, a brand founded in Sheffield that provides business travelers and leisure visitors with fully furnished, safe, and comfortable self-catering accommodation when they're in Sheffield or visiting the nearby Peak District National Park. And now, let's meet today's guest. Hello, and welcome to the Sheffield's Hidden Gems podcast. I'm Veronica Brooms, your podcast host, And in this episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Pam Goddison, the owner of Pam Goddison Glass, a business in Sheffield that creates bespoke glass pieces. Welcome to the podcast, Pam. Hello, Veronica. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. So you are, in fact, warmly welcome. So let's dive straight into the conversation. Please introduce yourself, Pam, and tell us more about you and your business. What does it do? And also, what made you decide to start this specific business? Thanks, Veronica. Um, I started my business um, in July 2013. And it came about um, when I um, decided I wanted to have a go at making stained glass. Um, which was a few years earlier, actually. And I just love the way that the colour shines through the glass and the different things that you can make. Glass is such a versatile medium. Um, And I quickly became hooked, for want of a better phrase, Um, and soon realised as well how expensive it can be setting up. So um, I kept making all these things, and thinking I need to find an outlet to sell them. But also, um, at the time, I had a friend who had um, a gallery who was a painter, and she invited me to go there and start teaching. So I invested in uh, quite a bit of equipment and decided to start teaching, and that's how the business really was launched. Um, And uh, I've never looked back, really. Uh, it's been excellent. And um, the other thing I really like about it is you, I find it very meditative. So um, you go into this zone when you're making the glass. And I think that's really important at this moment in time. So it certainly has a positive impact on your well-being and mental health. It's not only about the creative aspect in glass making. Is that what you're saying, Pam? That's correct, yes. Yeah, especially in lockdown. Um, It's been a bit of a lifesaver, to be quite honest with you. Um, And I've never been busier. So um, it's been a a really good time. Um, I don't like to say benefiting from coronavirus, but um, I've never known anything like the last 12 months, to be quite honest with you, Veronica. 
That's that's incredible, Pam. And I know we will be speaking or we should be speaking a little later about your business over the past year and some of what you've had to do. But it's excellent to hear that you have had successes. And in fact, what I should have said when I started this podcast is that I, I'm particularly pleased to welcome you today because you're in fact the first unique Sheffield gem business owner that we're speaking with. And so you're helping us to launch the Sheffield's Hidden Gems podcast. So special welcome, Pam. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm really honoured. So thank you ever so much, Veronica. It's very exciting. And I've never done this before. So, um, But I do love speaking about my glass. So you might have problems shutting me up, really. <laughs> I'm certain your listeners will enjoy hearing you, Pam. I certainly have enjoyed hearing about your business through some of the items you've shared with us when we've been virtually meeting over the past several yeah. months. But I'd like to ask, because you've said that how busy you are, so who are your main customers and clients? And what are the most popular or even the most complex commissions for glass art you've had from customers since you started this business? I would say my main customers, clients, um, a lot are through my Facebook page. So I've got quite a big following. Um, I've got over 2,000 followers now and it's rapidly rising from um, I hit 2,000 in October last year. I get a lot of repeat customers and it's usually ladies aged between, I would say, about 35 to sort of 55, 60 um looking for something a little bit different so at the moment there's a lot of people buying for gift ideas um, in terms of the actual commissions the most complex i would say that i've done is um when i recreated um the picture the scream in glass and this was in fact um the size of an ipad so it wasn't a massive piece it was a lot of little pieces and to create the lines getting the lines with the, the um, fencing etc and to try and recreate that um, was quite a challenge but it was well worth it in the end um, it did look amazing yeah one can well visualize that so for that complex piece how long did it take you I would say um, it probably took me about, um, not too long actually, probably about three or four full days to do. Um, I have undertaken other projects that took me much longer. So for example, um, I'm sat in front here in my dining room in front of um, some leaded windows, which are part of my French doors that I created for myself from my own design and these took me much longer so you know what they say about a busman's holiday <laughs> well uh, these actual windows took in total about four or five years and um i was uh, i did one because there's four i did one and then it, the rest took about three years um to do but it was three years later and then i did them fairly quickly um, but they were quite challenging because they're very geometric and you've got to get all the angles correct. So they're in like an Art Deco style. Um, 
And the challenging thing was when we came to fit them in, I'd actually made them slightly too small because I'd measured to the beading rather than beyond it. So I would never make that mistake again. <laughs> so lessons learned, even from oh, definitely art for yourself. Yes. Tom, I, I know to you, because you've been doing this business, it may seem as if the process is straightforward. But for someone who doesn't know anything about glass art and how you're creating these items, larger, small, simpler, or complex, if we have listeners like that, can you explain to us, can you walk us through some of the steps that you actually take from either receiving a commission or getting an idea as to the piece you'd like to make and actually having that completed piece all baked and ready for, for use or admiration? Can you tell us step by step, please? Yes. Um, so there's two processes that I used. One is um, for stained glass, uh, which is slightly different um, and in a lot of terms can be much quicker. Um, and then we have the fusing glass, which involves a big kiln. So first of all, with the stained glass, um, this process initially is very similar with the fusing glass because you've got to cut the glass. Um, so if I'm asked to make a commission piece, it usually involves drawing out a design if it's something that I've not used previously. So at the moment, I'm working on two um, windows for a cabinet, and I've been commissioned to make um, a willow tree and a daisy in two separate windows. So I've got an idea of the way I want to do the willow tree, and I've sketched that out and then sent it over to the client, um, and they've okayed it. So once I've done that, I have to then do a duplicate pattern of that design because the original one is going to be my template that I will work to on a board. And the second design, I will actually cut it up and use the pieces as templates to place it on the glass to draw it and set it all out so that I know what pieces of glass are, which colours, etc. So once we've got that far, then we have to cut out the glass. So um, depending on the complexity of it, um, it can and the amount of pieces, it can take quite some time. Um, and sometimes we may I make mistakes. <laughs> um, luckily, not many, because sometimes it can be quite an expensive uh, mistake to make if you've got to buy another piece of glass. Um, it's quite interesting because. Um, at this time of year, the glass is very cold, so it's quite difficult to cut sometimes. Um, so if I just pop it on top of the oil-filled radiator, it makes it easier to cut. So once you score the glass, we have special pliers that we use to then apply pressure um, on either side of the cut to help break it. Um, and then once we've done that, to get the pieces exact, like a jigsaw, we use what we call a glass grinder. So the glass would go on there and you would shape it exactly. So once you've got it set up like a jigsaw, then you wash, we wash all the pieces, get them nice and clean and dry, and then we move on to the next stage. So it, it's quite um, in-depth, really, Veronica. Um, I think sometimes people think it, it, it will be a really quick method, but it's not. Um, so we use what we call copper foil, which is like an adhesive foil. 
And this is wrapped around the pieces of the glass and then burnished. And burnish is where you, you get um, an implement and then rub along the edges to really fasten and firm the foil down because you don't want that to lift from the glass. Um, because when we are soldering it together, we use a flux, a liquid flux. And if that flux gets under the foil, then it can lift from the glass and it will not look nice. Um, so once the copper foil is done, then um, we apply a flux, we put um, the get soldering iron nice and hot, and we use a solder, and the solder will only stick to the copper foil along all the joints. So we, um, what we call tack um, solder it to it. So we're holding all the pieces in place before we start to work along each joint and fill it in. And we want to create a bead along that joint to make sure that it looks like a leaded window. That's what we're trying to create. So you see the Tiffany lamps that are made? That's exactly the process that's used. Um, so, so that's the the, sold, the stained glass. Um, the fusing glass, again, we're cutting and we're grinding the glass, but then we're not soldering it together. We're actually putting it in a kiln and melting it um, up to about 14 hours, uh, a typical program, um, and that will then melt the glass together. So it is quite a bit quicker with the fusing glass and you have more possibilities. So for example, you can shape the glass in the kiln, you can pop it in a mold and it will melt down and, and take the form of the mold. Um, so it creates much more possibilities. Very intricate and detailed and one needs to be able to master the techniques to ensure yes. that there are no costly mistakes along the way. That's what it seems like to me. Is that so? Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, I must admit, when I first learned, um, I was rubbish at soldering and I hated it <laughs> um, because I just couldn't get it right. And a lot um, when I, I teach it as well, when I teach it, a lot of my students are the same. Um, but it, I think they think that they want to be perfect on day one. And it's the first attempt, you know, so... Um, they do very well. They do really, really well. I, I get people say to me, oh, I'll never be able to make something and take it home the same day. But they always manage to. And I take great pride in that, that I've managed to teach them to do that. Um, and sometimes they give me ideas as well, which is lovely. It's really good. Brilliant. So now we've learned that it's not all glass art that has gone in the kiln. Some of it no. can be soldered in order to yeah. create the final piece. So that's certainly one piece of learning. But you mentioned also your students and what they're doing. Can you tell us some more or a little bit about that part of your business, Pam, where you're actually yes. training others to make glass craft or art? Yes. So I teach both methods. Um, so, for example, with the fusing glass, the um, I run a, a series of workshops like Christmas decorations in glass and they've always been really popular. Um, I've also taught different methods. So for example, um, I do screen printing onto glass with enamels. And so I've taught that in the past and using 
other materials with the glass. So we can use things like copper, um, which create nice effects, and mica, which is like an eyeshadow. That's mica powder, um, but you can get that in flakes, etc. Um, and then we have things like um, glass frit, which is tiny pieces of glass that you put on top of the glass. So there's lots and lots of different methods. And my, even though I've been doing the fusing glass for about four or five years, I'm still learning and I've got a lot of techniques still to learn. So I like to go on workshops as well. But um, yeah, in terms of um, teaching them, um, I think sometimes, well, when I first started out teaching, um, we just used to make little things like, um, I don't know, a butterfly with four pieces of glass and a body in the middle. And now, now my confidence has grown and I know what students are capable of. We, we've progressed onto bigger panels and uh, one lady made a big round panel, which was probably about 12, um, 15 inches across and it had butterflies in it and it was beautiful in a ring and she managed to do that in a day now it's quite good because a, quite a lot of my students do like to come back and progress and like that lady um, have actually got into the stained glass themselves and absolutely love it and I think it's this therapeutic thing again that we're going back to um, and it's quite, it's a bit of a shame, really, because a lot of the colleges have stopped teaching it now. Um, and for various reasons, it's probably cost. Um, so they're very limited on where they can actually go to learn these techniques. Um, but it's, I only have, on my stained glass classes, I only have um, maximum, absolute maximum 10 students, but usually about five and then I can dedicate the time to show them properly. And they always enjoy it and they always finish, even if they have to stop till seven o'clock at night and still finish. People are determined <laughs> to leave with a product, are they, Jim? Oh, yeah. Are they sure? <laughs> this is what I spent my time doing. And it wasn't just hearing and listening. So well done. I know you said you've been doing this technique or the training for, well, three or four years, but you have been in business for over seven years. So what would you consider to be your greatest achievement so far? And is there a memorable moment or moments that you'd like to share, Pam? Well, I would say my greatest achievement is probably happened very recently where I got the kiln of my dreams, which sounds really sad, but... It was, <laughs> it's the size and it's got all the programs and features on it that I wanted and it was new. I've always had secondhand kilns and it enables me to then progress my business onto the next stage, i.e. doing, I want to do splashbacks for properties, you know, in um, kitchens, um, etc. Um, so it enables me to do that because I can do much bigger pieces. Um, I would say um, a memorable moment has got to be when I did some work for the National Trust. So I was very lucky in uh, being asked to recreate a design at Nostal Priory of their wallpaper. So they've got a bird um, in the Chinese-style wallpaper and on the mirrors. And I was asked to draw a design of that 
and then get a screen made up so we could print that design onto glass. And then I made some stars with design on. They were absolutely beautiful, um, even though I say so myself. But we had uh, like a ruby red glass with an iridescence on it. And then we had copper, um, well, red gold enamel on it. And uh, so they were put in the kiln and I had to make, I think it was um, 20 um, stars, no, 25, sorry. And they each had five pieces to them. So it meant lining all the designs up, getting them all made in the kiln and then using the stained glass technique to put them together. And um, they were a little bit naughty really because they only gave me about three weeks maximum um, to complete. And I had quite a lot of orders at that time as well, because it was just coming up to the Christmas period, which is a really busy time for me. Um, so uh, there were a few late nights, but I got them done. And then um, I was asked to go up and do a Meet the Maker event with them. So I went and my photographer came along as well, and we got lots of photos in the house, etc. And it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. And it's just a shame because this was not last Christmas, but the Christmas before um, that we went into lockdown because I know they're looking at doing some more work with me um, at the different properties. And again, taking a design element of that property and incorporating it into the glass. So um, that's a really memorable moment for me and one of my proudest, to be quite honest with you as well. I can hear that in your voice. Well done, you. Because as you, you painted the picture in terms of the colors and what the image, I can only well imagine what the mm. final product looked like. So I certainly hope for you that they'll be, it will be a repeat client so that you can do some more artistic and creative work in other properties for the National Trust. But certainly quite impressive for your seven-year journey in terms of business. And although you said it was a couple of Christmases ago. Yeah. So we're recording this in February 2021, um, a time when yes. we are in lockdown three in the UK or at least in England and other in England. And so we just about a year in from when we had that first lockdown because of the COVID-19 pandemic. What changes have you had to make in the past year to you in, in terms of how you do business? Oh, a lot of changes. Um, I'll just sort of give you a very brief background to what happened a year ago. Um, so I had a number of workshops set up. So I've got a studio at home and I've got um, a workshop area where I teach my students. So this time last year, I was actually looking around for business premises because um, I wanted a bigger area so I could take more students, etc. And I'd actually located some premises uh, about five miles away from where I live. And um, it was right, the price was right, etc. Now, they did me a favor because they turned around and said that they couldn't incorporate my kiln into it because they couldn't get insurance. Um, because of the time of the firing programs, you have to leave it un unattended. So um, so I decided instead to spend the money on uh, expanding my workshop. So I expanded into another room um, next to the main studio. So I went to Ikea, ordered all the stuff, 
Um, and then I ran one workshop and then we went into lockdown. And I started to get a bit worried, I think the, <laughs> the phrases, and uh, think, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? So I sort of sat down and thought, I know I'm going to have to go have a go at making kits so that I can send out the glass to people. This is for the fusing. Um, they can pick a design. They can pick the colours. I will send the um, all the materials out to them uh, with full instructions. They can put it together, send it back to me, goes in the kiln, goes back out in the post. And I sold a few of them, but not as many as what I expected. But then I had a bit of a lucky break. And um, I think you do create your own look, actually. Um, I'd actually gone on to a couple of groups on Facebook and I put a couple of images onto them and then I just started getting lots and lots of inquiries. And this was for glass that was in rainbow colours. So all the rainbows were really popular, weren't they, around uh, last summer um, for the NHS and everything. And I got loads and loads and loads of orders. Um, so then I found it quite challenging sort of um, adhering to sort of time scales and making sure that my customers didn't wait too long before they got them. And at this time, I was working four days a week as well um, for a previous employer. So trying to fit it all in, which, again, brings its own challenges. Um, but I managed, and then came the Christmas period, and I joined some more selling groups online. So instead of doing um, markets, because I used to sell at markets in person, I had to adapt and sell online. Um, and at this time, I've not got anything in my, um, I've not got hardly anything in my Facebook shop. I've got nothing on my website. I've got nothing on Etsy. And I thought, oh, no. So <laughs> I joined this group because my friend said, oh, you want to join this group? Um, I've sold £500 worth of stuff in one day and she makes um, jewellery from recycled tins. So I joined and it just went phenomenal. Um, yeah, so it, you just, I think you've got to test different methods and try different ways. Um, and um, it's really sort of grown from there. So now I've got a two-month waiting list. And also, um, a lot of these are orders from before Christmas with people that I couldn't fulfill for Christmas, but were happy to have it after. Um, and since then, I've also launched a subscription box. So um, people can pay quarterly and receive a piece of glass that I make for them. Um, and there's a little added gift at the end of the year as well if they stick with it. So, um, so I think that's going to build this year as well. Well done. Um, that's impressive how you've managed to pivot, as they say, and actually generate a new revenue stream, but one in which you have greater control over the flow and yeah. the pipeline rather than having to find that you're in a rush to get people to come to a room, to come to a space in order to learn. So that was certainly yeah. good business thinking and not just mm. creative thinking in terms of what could be offered. So, yeah. kudos to you. Well done in getting there. Thank you. So, we, we're now in the, we would have, you're very welcome, Pam. And thanks again for being our first guest on the Sheffield's Hidden Gems podcast. 
Now, you would have started this business, as I said earlier, just over seven years ago. And you've had the experience of running a business, be having to adjust to the reality, and you'd have had some lessons learned over the years. So can you, you tell, tell us what you'd have done differently if you were, in fact, starting your business now rather than having started it seven years ago? Uh, I would have invested more confidence in myself and my abilities um, because I was fairly static with my business for quite a long time. And that was, I think, myself holding my, my mindset and my own thinking holding me back from expanding further. Um, because now I only um, do so many days a week uh, with an employer. And the plan is that later this year, I'm going to drop more hours and more days as well. I just wish I'd done that sooner, to be quite honest with you, because... Um, it's really um, helped me with my health, with my, you know, with my physical and my mental health as well. Um, and it's been quite a challenge in the past working for somebody else and trying to run my own business as well. And I've dedicated a lot of time and effort to working for an employer rather than putting all that energy where I can into my own business. Um, and now the tide's starting to turn and um, I feel so much better for it. Um, I was saying to somebody this morning that um, since I left my previous role, even though I'm still employed, but in a, in a different, for a different organisation now and doing something completely different, which I love, um, I, my health's been much better because I've suffered for at least five or six years with vertigo. And um, I've had that where um, I had it last year when I was trying to make lots of glass and I think it's the stress that brought it on. Um, and then when um, the really, really busy period uh, stopped, um, I just, the vertigo just went completely. And I'd had it virtually all the time for five years. And at points I'd had really bad episodes where I couldn't even get out of bed. Um, so to have that freedom and have better health means so much more to men, more than what any money could really do. And I think that's the realisation that money's not everything. As long as you've got enough to get you by and your health's good, then yes, you know, do it for yourself. And I'd encourage any business, you know, anybody who's thinking about going into business, um, even now there's opportunities in this economic climate to do it. Um, and don't just keep procrastinating over it. Just do it. That's what I would say, definitely. Excellent lessons learned, as well as inspiring the next set of entrepreneurs, especially those who may be in full-time work or part-time work for someone else and are thinking of venturing out into their own business. So, as you say, just do it. Now, Yes. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you, Pam. And it's been a joy hearing about your business and the amazing way in which you've been able to grow your business. And from your early days just of startup to now, where you're quite confident in yourself, as well as in your business and the repeat customers that you're able to serve over the many years. 
So we've learned so much about what you've done in business. And, but for listeners who are fascinated by what you've said and are interested in finding out more about how they can buy one or more of your items or even your, your kits, how can they contact you? Oh, well, there's several ways, Veronica. Um, I am on, uh, I've got a Google shop, so it's Pam Goodison Glass, P-O-O-D-I-S-O-N. Um, yeah, yeah, because everybody spells that wrong. <laughs> um, so I've uh, got a website, so it's pamgoodisonglass.co.uk. I'm on Facebook under the name of Pam Goodison Glass Artists. Um, I can be contacted by email, which is pamgoodisonglass at gmail.com. And um, I've also got a contact number. So it's uh, 07511 uh, Would you like to repeat that, Veronica, that number? Please. Yeah. Um, so 07511 and thank you ever so much, Veronica, for having me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you for putting me at ease as well. It's a real pleasure to say thank you for being our very first guest on the Sheffield's Hidden Gems podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Sheffield's Hidden Gems podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Excel City Apartments, a brand founded in Sheffield that provides fully furnished self-catering accommodation for business and leisure visitors to the city and the nearby Peak District National Park. We also accommodate families relocating to Sheffield City region. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do listen to other episodes by following our podcast on this platform. Or you can find us on Twitter at XL Property P, that's the letter P. And on LinkedIn, the business page is XL City Apartments. Until the next time, ta-ra!